Hello everyone, it's Juana Yordekescu. Welcome back to We Include Podcast, where we introduce the newest diversity and inclusion solutions in the market and talk to founders who, like me, think that businesses for good are good business. Today's guest is a true champion in this space, and I cannot wait for you to hear her story. Jyoti Sohal David, co-founder of Umbrella, is here to talk about their disruptive work reimagining the global workforce of the future through innovative belonging initiatives all the way from Norway. From launching rainmakers and board diverse inclusive talent communities to consulting both in private and public forums, Umbrella is leading the charge towards a more diverse and equitable future for all. But let's be real, you might think that up north diversity and inclusion initiatives aren't as necessary, or at least I thought. Jyoti is here to debunk that myth and show us how crucial it is to prioritize inclusion no matter where you are in the world. So sit back, grab your headphones, and let's dive right into it. Hello, Jyoti. Thank you for joining us on We Include. It's an honor to have you share your journey with us and continue adding to the network of DEI specialists and uh, trailblazers that we have in the European space. Thank you for having me. I think you're at your second coffee. Yes. <laughs> Yes, I have to start my mornings with my coffees. <laughs> um, I, my sister lived in Norway for about two years, I think. And the amount of coffee that people drink there has impressed me, for sure. I, I thought I drink a lot of coffee, but no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very true. But, you know, uh, fun fact, uh, we... After I've lived in Australia for so many years and coming here, like we, we don't really value the, the quality of the coffee. It's more how many cups of coffee that you can have. <laughs> yes, I call that conference coffee. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Spot on. <laughs> I'm on espresso regime now. So yes, I need to keep it under too. Otherwise, I'm just a, a small battery running around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jyoti, we have so many things to talk about. Um, but for those listening, I, I just want to say that when I discovered Jyoti, I think about a year and a half ago, when I say discover, it's like online discovery, right? I'm a recruiter at heart. I I, I live on LinkedIn. Um, so it's been just inspiring to see the, I don't know, I, I, I saw an energy, right? The way at least you interacted with different communities, um, the way the communication was coming off from uh, occupying a space that seems very equitable already, right? Like considering <laughs> or comparing to other European countries. And when I look at any reports from the EU Commission where we look at um, inspiring stories of equality, we look at the North, right? We yeah. look at Scandinavia. Um, and I think you came out very brave, uh, at least in the past couple of years, around like, we're not there yet. Um, or at least our society is really changing. Are we changing with it? Yeah. Um, so these are the things I... I I love about your work, and now that I've met you in person as well, um, well, as much as possible, we are still on a screen, everybody, um, but um, I, I see where it's coming from, and I want everybody to see that. <laughs> <laughs> so this is why we're here. Perfect. Yeah, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. <laughs> um, tell us a little bit about your journey because I, I find it very spaghetti interesting. I think a lot of the people I talk to on this podcast have 
fascinating stories. Um, and yeah, if, if there's anything you, you are comfortable sharing with us, I would, I would love to start there. Absolutely. Oh, I love this like spaghetti journey. Um, yeah. So I guess I, I, I want to try and sort of like take you back to why I started, uh, you know, moving from skill who's to umbrella built two companies. And, um, I, I am from Norway, but I, uh, from this small town called Drammen, but I moved to Sydney when I was 17. I lived there for 11 years I fell in love with the country um, and I decided that I wanted to complete my studies there. So I've done, uh, I'm a teacher, I'm a career coach, I'm also a certified coach, but also a recruiter and now working as a DEIB specialist within the recruitment space. And um, and the reason I started it, it kind of stems from the journey that my husband went on uh, when we moved back to Norway so after mm-hmm. 11 years we decided you know let's give this a go 2016 mm-hmm. flying over to to Norway um, and it was uh, my husband's idea he used my family as an excuse I, th- I think he did <laughs> uh, the reality was he wanted to uh, you know try snowboarding uh, <laughs> cross-country skiing <laughs> Uh, but here we are. Um, yes. So moving back, it was a reverse culture shock, if I'm going to be completely honest. Um, it was interesting to feel as an outsider in your own country. So I hadn't sp- spoken Norwegian for 11 years. My vocabulary had changed. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to connect with my friends uh, was very difficult um, and I constantly went around and thinking, oh, I've changed, like something's wrong with me. Oh, wow. Um, and so I went in this uh, almost like identity crisis. Yeah. And then uh, during that time, I found myself uh, in the expat community, in the startup community in Oslo. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people were speaking English. You know, I just felt a sense of belonging. So I thought that's where I want to go. I want to start uh, working for a smaller company where things were buzzing. There was a lot of creativity. Uh, people were innovative, and I absolutely loved it. But while I was thriving, uh, my husband was struggling to get into the Norwegian job market. Mm-hmm. Um, and he went on for eight months. He had applied for 150 jobs. Uh, it was rejection after rejection. And this is for someone that went and left a corporate job in Sydney uh, coming here where no one was really seeing the value uh, Mm -hmm. in uh, his background and experience. Yeah. So it made me just reflect to, you know, what what was it? What was it that wasn't um, compelling and interesting? So I I said to him, we'll give it a year. Uh, If you don't get a job in the market, we move back to Sydney. I guess the sacrifice was made. Let's give it a shot, right? So yeah, um, it's interesting what you say about the the reverse culture shock. Mm. I think we don't talk enough about it, um, yeah. especially with this globalization that is happening. Workforce is moving around all the time. Um, my parents have moved to Spain ten years ago, and I think for the past seven, well, the first seven eight years, they were like, "Oh, we're gonna go back. We're gonna go back. We're gonna go back." Yeah. And then slowly, because they go on holiday and they still, you know, are very connected, but slowly they're like, 
are we going to go back? Yes. <laughs> Is there a point to go back? So <laughs> the, the speech really changes, but I think the, the concern is there. Would I still find my place? And it's, it's very interesting what you've experienced. And also finding yourself as, an, as a Norwegian in the expat community because yes. you've, you've missed so long. <laughs> yes, exactly. And quite often, you know, when people ask me, um, like, where are you from? That question is the, is still so fascinating, interesting, because there's so many dimensions. Uh, but I always say I'm Australian, uh, Indian, Norwegian. So start with being the Australian part because I... The forming. Mm-hmm. Yes, I resonate with uh, the, the culture and the people there. Um. And that's also why I kind of ended up staying there for so long. Um, but I guess going back to, you know, the the journey that I was on uh, and, and with my husband as well, I built Skillhoos based on his experiences because he did end up finding a job in the startup ecosystem. And the person that hired him, you know, interesting enough, she was expat herself. Um, and that's what you quite, quite often see, right? You see other people that have gone through the same challenges and barriers, wants to support uh, and help other people. Um, and at a later stage, I actually found out that his, um, uh, there was a lot of conversations around getting him into the company because he wasn't the typical Norwegian. He hadn't gone to uni- uh, uh, you know, the university here in Norway. So that uh, being the unknown and different was seen as something negative rather than positive. Um, So I wanted to uh, challenge that. So I thought, I want to build a company. I saw a problem and I want to be part of a solution. Um, So I, and that's where Skillers came from. So we wanted to be the bridge between skilled migrants and Norwegian companies. And on top of that, also facilitate workshops for our candidates on cross-culture communication. Because I think very often people tend to forget it's a huge leap to move to a new country. You make a lot of sacrifices. And we need to meet somewhere in the middle if we can. I guess there are expectations on both sides. But there is this expectation that you go 100% like on one direction. Like maybe not. Maybe we just both need to take two steps at a time. Yes. <laughs> and start that conversation. What is it that is a problem because I'm, you know, didn't study here? And this mm. is uh, this is while in recruitment and in large corporations where I worked in, we 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 couldn't have that anymore, like universities, because we've relocated from all over the world. Knowing the names of universities in Ireland did not help me per se, because people were coming from all over the world. So ultimately, um, it, it's, it's absolutely irrelevant comparing to what skills people would bring in and the, the, um, the attitude and the behaviors. But when you're dealing with local organizations, that's still like almost top criteria and it's ingrained. It's almost automatic, right? Like which school are they coming from? (laughs) And I'm always like taken aback whenever I'm more in a local market or with people who have not worked internationally. Like, how is that relevant? Oh, but you know, I, I went there. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Got it. (laughs) Yeah. And and that's the thing. It's the, the familiarity with, with what you know, what's comfortable. And that's where, we talk uh, very, quite often about biases and these are the unconscious biases that pop up. So we end up quite often hire the same people like us because it's uh, you recognize 
similar traits, it's comfortable. Yeah. But now we have umbrella. Yes. What it, It's a lot and I love it. So <laughs> I want to dissect <laughs> really? it because I, I feel there's so many parts to it. Um, yes. The recruitment part, the strategy part, the advisory part, the educational part. Yes. So moving forward, uh, we built Umbrella, uh, which is uh, fairly new established. It was in November 2022 and uh, very, very excited. And I have my incredible, amazing co-founder, uh, Marin uh, Zimbo-Willits. She's also Australian. Um, and she was, uh, funnily enough, my business developer building Skillhouse. So we, she was working as an external consultant. I was uh, doing Skillhouse, and we we just found each other because we have the same passion. So with Umbrella, we we like to say that we are uh, a nexus for uh, employees and diverse talent. So we want to transform the future of work by building more diverse workplaces uh, and also how they can create and shape future growth. So we call it, you know, reimagine the global workforce. Um, And it's about recruiting the best talent. But then on top of that, we also facilitate uh, workshops, we develop strategies, uh, we talk very often about systemic design, systemic change in the company. Um, it's uh, quite often, you know, we try and sort of challenge the companies on, you know, it's not just about a workshop because we tend to see companies delivering unconscious bias workshop for an hour and then it's tick off the box. But it's more, we want to go into the company and say, okay, well, where, where does the problem start and how do we develop the, the EIB perspective into the strategy today? Um, and with Umbrella, you know, this is the great thing about having a startup because if you see a problem, you go, okay, I want to do this as well. Let's create this pilot. So we have created something we call the Rainmark Community which is focusing on helping and providing support for candidates. So very often you have this, you know, a set of people, maybe 500,000 in a database, and they're just sitting there and waiting for a job. We want to facilitate work and workshops around, like, how do we keep them busy while they continue seeing on their journey in Norway? Um, Because if you don't provide them with that extra support, they end up going this, you know, black hole where they're just sitting and waiting. They don't know what to do. And they end up maybe perhaps going back home. Yeah. We're talking here, skilled migrants, mainly. That's the yeah. m- main focus there. When, Because this is very interesting. We worked in, I think, the Netherlands with uh, refugees. And it was, um, they, they come through the system, municipalities, depending on where they would land in different parts mm. of the city or different parts of the country, they would enter a database. But those databases were not connected. And those databases were not accessible unless you knew somebody who worked on specific. So ultimately, there is there are some organizations in the end that formed and said, okay, we'll gather all these lists and we'll start giving access and kind of create a, a shared notion that there there are these folks here, right? Yeah. How do you how do you create that community? Is there a I don't know just an effort on your side to kind of make sure that people know of you and they join your community, or is there also collaboration with any institutions or local uh, yeah local organizations? Yes, great question. Um, 
We, at least I believe in collaboration and partnerships. I think it's really, really important um, that the pie is big enough for everyone. Mm, let's just say, sure. let's, uh, let's say that. Um, we have, since we just started the company, we are still sort of figuring out how we can collaborate and partner with other companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to do it, absolutely. I think it's much stronger for, for the candidates as well because at the end of the day, we want them out in the, the Norwegian job market. But for now, how we are sort of taking care of them is we develop surveys and we send them out to the candidates and we ask them after we've done a workshop and say, hey, what's next? What would you like? Uh, What's important for you? And uh, based on that survey, we develop and facilitate work Mm. around that. Yeah, makes Um, sense. So just, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we did um, how to use LinkedIn as a professional. Uh, A lot of candidates don't use LinkedIn and they don't realize recruiters um, actually use, utilize LinkedIn when they're recruiting uh, professionals. So just giving them those extra tools uh, to understand. Nice. Okay. So coming back to... um to how you work with the organizations. I'm usually on the other side of the fence, trying to compare internal and external resources to address certain uh, DEI opportunities, let's call them so, um, within these organizations. Um, What are usually your clients facing? You said, hey, maybe for some it's like a tick box exercise. I guess there's some legislation around things. I guess it comes from external and internal factors when people say, let's put in place something, a recruitment strategy, a DEI strategy, a a training strategy that has a DEI lens. Um, What do you see? Mm. Yeah, so it's a a mix of everything, if Mm -hmm. I'm I'm going to be completely honest. Um, I, I was really interested to see quite often you make that assumption that, oh, if you're a bigger corporation, you know, you're, you're probably really far ahead on doing this work. But that was wrong. Uh, it was very the opposite. Um, yeah, yeah. It, is, it sounds like, at least now, there's a couple of new legislations coming in uh, in Norway, which is pushing people more. And this is why we have more, you know, I like to call them DBI professionals. Yeah. Um, but for, for us, we work on uh, inclusive recruitment process. For 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 example, we also do a lot on uh, strategy, and uh, our focus has been on scale up and startups. But now we also see that bigger corporations, Norwegian corporations, are uh, connecting with us to do more work on leadership, which mm-hmm. makes me really happy um, because that's where it starts. The leaders have to implement that they're the one who needs to do the talk they're the the ones that need to start the race um so we do everything from inclusive leadership programs we do every onboarding is really really important as well particularly when you hire people from abroad Uh, we also do cross-cultural leadership awareness so there's a mix of everything got it um when it comes to let's say you had these two projects that are a little bit of a continuation, but Umbrella, I feel it's much more solid in around like these are the areas where we can impact at scale. Um, yes. And you're occupying, as far as I hear, or as far as I've seen, the Norwegian space. Mm-hmm. Do you want to stay in that space? Are you seeing Umbrella 
scalable to other areas within Europe or beyond? What's if you can, if you want to share? <laughs> yes, absolutely, we do. Uh, we from the beginning when we started, we said Norway is just one of the industries and countries that we're in because we're based here now. Um, but the idea is also expand to Australia. Uh, to all the Scandinavian countries, uh, a part of you know the, the title "Reimagine Global Workforce." It's about being all around the world. It's about creating a place where you know, often talk about we don't want to work five days a week, we want to work four days a week. Um, we want to be able to create our own spaces, like how we work, where we work, uh, around remote work as well. It's not none of this, you know, nine to five. Uh, we completely want to pivot and change how people think about how we should uh, how should we how we should work today. And if I'm going to be completely honest, um, I think if I was only in the Norwegian market, I would get really bored. Uh, <laughs> it's not offense, not right. <laughs> no offense. It's not offense in any country. I guess it's just no, like yeah, exactly. I feel sometimes I want to really, really challenge the norm. They're very comfortable in this country. And I would love to sort of disrupt and ask, you know, difficult questions, talk more about allyship, privilege, um, and make it more comfortable for people to actually have these conversations. Because I think when we do that, that's when we move forward. Then it gets very complex. Mm -hmm. And my, my particular challenge, um, even in the work I do, moving from different country to different country and trying to kind of map what are some of the opportunities what do we want to tackle yes. legislation looks very different incentives for organizations look very different whether for example is to address disability or create yeah, accessibility programs whether they're educational for neurodiversity whether they're actually for physical disability how do we um, create workspaces um, that facilitate people to uh, exercise their skills Yes. Um, or some other areas that have very big challenges with, um, uh, let's say, new generation migration, uh, climate migration, climate refugees, war refugees, um, and let's say the more um, universal around gender and, and, and power balances, right? So yes. each country has different legislations and initiatives. Then we have the complexity of um, educational systems, Mm -hmm. uh, within those areas, then we have the added religions or social norms that create also the way we work or influence, at least in a, in a big part. So it, it gets very hairy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, in this context, what do you see as the biggest challenges? Where, where would you start if, if, you, if, if you're talking to somebody who's like, I'm really passionate about this but I feel I know nothing. <laughs> the more I know, the less <laughs> I am able to kind of, you know, uh, pinpoint the, the, real, the real root cause, uh, which uh, yeah, might not be one. Um, but yeah, where, where would you start? Yes. So you're thinking, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, so you're uh, focusing specifically on within the DEBI space, like what are some yeah. challenges? Workforce, exactly, yeah. Mm. Yes, that's a really big question. I guess it. if I was to think of myself when I started in this space, I, I, did, a lot of, I did a lot of research uh, to understand what were some of the challenges. I was connecting myself with 
the different government officials, municipalities. Uh, I read a lot of the research. I connected with other DEBA professionals um, within the Norwegian space to understand, okay, where does the market lie today and what are some of the challenges that we're facing? Because it's really big. You have to start somewhere. Otherwise, you get really, it can be really daunting and scary um, because a problem is so big. Um, and I would say people that work in this space quite often, they have a, a personal story. Mm-hmm. So for me, it became really, um, uh, it made common sense for me to go to work with skilled migrants because I had the, I had my husband who was struggling with those challenges, but for other people, it might be focusing on, you know, like you said, um, refugee talent that's mm-hmm. sitting there waiting to get into the job market. So, um, it's, it depending on like what market you're in, but I would start with, you know, doing research around and connecting and going to different networks and conferences to understand like what are some of the challenges and how can I be a part of the how can I be part of the solution? I need to quote Simon Sinek here, find your why, I guess. Oh yes. <laughs> I love him. <laughs> Find your why and yeah, yeah, kind of cut through the noise and that's that's your life. Yes, exactly. Because sometimes I think you get there's so many problems, right? Correct. And and trying to figure out, okay, well, without getting a bit uh, too complex and too complicated to mm-hmm. talk about them, because you get in this rabbit hole. It's mm-hmm. okay. Well, where do I start and who do I connect with? Um, so I think it's, it, it depends on what's the situation, what are you looking at and connecting yourself with, uh, the right people in the, in that market. Yeah. Speaking about the market, the market is not in an excellent spot. And I guess you've launched in a moment of uncertainty in general. Um, uh, the market seems fairly unpredictable or has gone a bit haywire in, in multiple yes. geographies. Uh, whether we're talking just simple living cost and and uncertainty uh, around jobs and um, uh, economical power, individual and, and geographical as well, but yes. even maybe more, right? If we talk about conflict and uh, uh, potential other things that might come towards us. Um, that being said, I'm curious about two things, right? Because um, there's a certain... I think fear at the moment in the market because of this, uh, we have seen full on diversity, equity, inclusion teams being laid off. We have seen budgets being cut that have to do with learning and development. And in general, Mm -hmm. let's say all the trainings around cultural awareness would sit there. Um, we have seen leaders in the market who are are yeah are not part of the workforce anymore, and they were representative for certain uh, demographics. Yeah. And we start wondering: um, should we be concerned? Is this a step back for the efforts that were put in the past couple of years? Right? Yes. Um, what do you see? What do we do about it? Yeah, good question. Uh, we definitely see. Um, people being redundant mm-hmm. um, because, of course, like you said, the, the current market is very unstable, uh, particularly looking at the tech industry, companies that are scaling, um, bigger corporations as well, of course. Um, everyone is uh, looking at upskilling uh, a lot of the clientele and a lot of the employees are already in the company. So external recruiting is being put on hold. Sure. 
Um, that's one thing. And then the whole part of learning development where, you know, people have been recruited in uh, to work with focus in particular particularly on inclusion and belonging. But at the same time, because of the current market, people that are being redundant first are the inclusion and belonging specialist, hmm. uh, which is, so, you know, often my question is, what signal yeah. are you sending out to your company then? For sure. Like if this is the biggest focus and they're the one who's getting cut down, are you saying that this was a nice to have and it's, uh, you know, uh, I guess a ribbon or the bow uh, to try and fix something right there and then for people to stay on in the company. Because what we see with the generation coming in, there was a report that came out from, uh, I think it was Monster in 2022, where they looked at three things that were really, really crucial and important for the generation uh, looking for jobs now. First is working in the the DBI space and being around people that look like themselves. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, people with ethnic minorities, all the different dimensions in um, diversity and inclusion, and then also mental well-being. So being able to take care of the people that you have uh, at work today and, um, uh, and focusing on being really transparent when it comes to uh, salary ranges in the company. So the expectation that you should be, we post, uh, posted on the job ad. So I think the, unfortunately, uh, companies um, have taken, in, in my opinion, a wrong turn on mm -hmm. um, minimizing or having redundancies for people that work in the learning and development, especially. So you see a lot of them have actually been offered another job in the company, but it's not in the same space. So a lot of them, um, ends up leaving because they're not happy. Um, and I think it goes back to what you were saying earlier on, is this kind of a nice thing to have? Is this an extra job that you're doing? Um, you're putting in all these extra hours, but you're not really getting paid for it. Yeah. Um, so in my opinion, we're, we're taking a wrong turn, which is really mm -hmm. unfortunate. Yeah, I think on on the other hand, I, uh, you mentioned legislation coming to Norway. Legislation is is it is coming to many different countries. I think by their countries, but also European level. For example, pay transparency, uh, forty percent women on boards. Mm. Um, these are becoming realities. I'm just very curious of the disciplinary action. Let's say so, uh, if organizations do not follow suit because. There, there are, for example, a lot of there's a lot of legislation country by country around incorporating workforce with disabilities um, and kind of proving that year on year. Uh, otherwise, you get a fine. Um, so Italy, Spain, Romania, Germany, they have this type of legislation. Um, and funnily enough, organizations actually prefer paying the fine which are quite hefty fines. Yes. <laughs> and not necessarily that they prefer per se. It's not, I don't think it's a, sometimes it is a fully conscious decision, but it feels like the effort to um, identify that workforce, uh, incorporate that workforce, consider like accommodations is higher or costs more than actually paying the fine. So yeah. I, 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 I'm really keen to understand that threshold of where does it hurt or where do we actually understand that you can do so much good in yeah. terms of generational wealth, in terms of um, impact around mm -hmm. 
even your workforce. I feel, for example, some organizations where they've taken this very serious and I worked and you could see representation from a very, very wide variety of demographics. The entire workforce had, was in a different headspace, yeah. was, in a, was in a place where I'm proud to work here. It's yeah. not even affect like these policies do not even affect me or don't, I don't need them per se because I'm fully abled, privileged, whatever, right? Yeah. But I am proud to see that the organization I'm in invests and creates opportunities for those that were maybe not as favored as, as I was or they, 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 they need a different type of accommodation and that's amazing. Yeah. Um, so I think that part of, let's say, well-being and mental health is very very subtly changed and addressed mm -hmm. also when as an organization you just do the right thing <laughs> yeah exactly but you know it's it's interesting what you also said about legislation because uh, just uh, a few weeks ago we've been speaking to a couple of venture capitals who's invested in uh, companies and they are putting that down as a requirement now um, because of there is a legislation coming in 2023. There's more information coming about it, but we don't have enough details yet. But um, knowing that it's coming out, the expectations for venture capitals investing into companies now is that you need to have women on board. Uh, of course, we're not talking about one because that won't help anything. If anything, they'll actually drop. Uh, yes, exactly. And based on research, it doesn't help to have one person, you need to have more. Uh, but now if you don't have it, uh, in investment will pull out. So I think these are the certain things that we need to do when it hurts you know, in your pocket, uh, when we're talking about money and innovation and uh, the economics and hiring more people. When you, when you do that, when you cut throat as a VC, when you have that power to do that, we need to continue because if we're going to create that change, we need to have really some strict regulations, but also expectations to the companies as well who's looking for investment. Okay, so we're seeing some, some silver linings. While, yes, we, we, we maybe see some weird decisions <laughs> um, and some, some wrong turns here and there, maybe the, the forces and the tensions between who's, who's actually funding these initiatives, where, uh, where is the legislation sitting, and who are also, from my perspective, where I sit some, a bit, I see let's say, a newer generation of leaders who yes. maybe had the chance to work in different markets, they've experienced different things, and they put this a little bit early on their strategic roadmap of growth and creating the right culture for their organization. Yes. Um, but it's it's a test of time, I feel, as well, right? Like there's a, there's a consistency that we need to show, and I'm, I'm happy you and Umbrella are are so in it um, and are starting a journey that I think it's so needed. And as you say, the, 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 the pie is big enough. I don't think we have enough of these initiatives. Um, you technically, at least with Umbrella, you are at the beginning. What's, what are you hoping for? Like, what are some of the milestones that you, you have in mind for, for your initiative? Yes, uh, great question. Oh, there's so many things. Where it's, <laughs> the list is endless. Um, I think, you know, one of the latest initiatives we've uh, started, which I'm really passionate about, is uh, Board Diverse, where we the focus is on how to get more women with minority background onto boards. Mm -hmm. 
I think uh, I would love to see more uh, women with minority background on boards. That's one thing. So we want to um, accelerate that. But also I, I want people to understand and I want to be able to showcase the incredible talent that is just sitting in Norway. Um, because what we often tend to hear from companies, there's so many reports coming out. Just yesterday they were saying NHO, that's uh, Norway will lack 70% uh in professions mm-hmm. um in the next coming years so i'm thinking but but they're already sitting here there are people with that talent uh you just need to dig deeper so i i want to change companies mindset on where to find talent and um also get them to challenge the the question around uh, language requirements yes uh, is Norwegian important? Is that essential for you to sell your product or is English enough? So trying to challenge a lot of companies because we are we are a small com- uh, country. Mm-hmm. They're very comfortable. Um, and if we continue on this path, we're actually going to lose out, unfortunately. Yeah, for sure. Um, and and this, this has been a, an issue, I think, for a lot of countries so far, a lot of them are changing. When mm-hmm. I moved out of Romania and I was, I had my little list of like, I want to go to Amsterdam, Berlin or Dublin. And yes. I remember back then, it was like nine years ago, um, Amsterdam and Berlin were, especially for my type of jobs or recruit, recruitment, HR type of things, um, there was nothing without Nate, like advanced level of local language, mm-hmm. which I did not possess. So somehow I ended up in Dublin, which was the best thing ever that could have happened to me. And then <laughs> like 10 years later, I could actually work. And most of the people I worked with in Amsterdam, in Berlin, are expats and they don't speak the local language and they're adding so much to their organizations and to, to the entire community. And we'll, we'll get there. I do acknowledge the fact that, yes, learning the local language is uh, uh, an amazing thing to do and you get a different type of experience. Mm. But when it comes to having opportunities to um, do your craft. Yes. <laughs> that might be just a different level of conversation for sure. Exactly. Thank you so much, Jyoti. It was a pleasure having you on the podcast. Um, and we'll see you in a couple of years, probably in the same spot. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. It was lovely chatting with you. Thank you so much for staying with us for the entire episode. You are the best. If you enjoyed this conversation, subscribe to the We Include podcast on Spotify or the podcast provider of your choice. And don't forget to share in your networks. It's highly appreciated. You can find me on LinkedIn for suggestions of initiatives and topics you'd like to see covered in future episodes. They are coming out weekly. Till next time, take care.